Well, thanks so much, Maya, for, for joining me today. Uh, I'm very excited to, to chat with you because I think I love talking to people at the intersection of sort of capital being allocated to impact oriented, whether it's businesses or nonprofits, their needs uh, sometimes can create much more impact than I think people realize, obviously, depending on the sector that they're in and maybe what they're doing. But I think we're all starting to see the benefits of, of investing in certain areas around the world and in certain sectors that traditionally might not have not you know allocated money before. Uh, but before, before we get into Open Road, let, let's talk about your journey before becoming the CEO of Open Road. Maybe look what that looked like, and maybe we could start around after you got your master's degree from uh, London School of F Economics. If you want to start start a little bit after that. Sure, absolutely. Um, so as I completely agree with you that. We are in, a, in an age where we are seeing the increasing confluence and convergence of what used to be polar opposites of business yeah. and philanthropy. And so my personal background uh, comes from the philanthropy side. That, that's where I, I started. That's where I wanted to focus. I wanted to focus on impact. And you know, when I was coming up in college and grad school, I won't say how many years ago um, <laughs> to date myself, but uh, you know, the only path to that or that was really expressed was, well, you go the philanthropy route, you go the nonprofit right. route. Um, so that was really my background. I, I had a, a expertise, developed an expertise in Sub-Saharan Africa, um, peace and security. So I worked for think tanks in London and, and DC um, focused on, you know, conflict issues in places like the Sudan or Somalia, democ democracy efforts in, in West Africa, sort of veering towards that, what we now consider to be sort of big aid or traditional humanitarian mm -hmm. aid. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that, you know, never sat right with me was this frame of humanitarian aid. It was this, this yep. idea that one part of the world, if you were you know, coming from a background with a, a political science, for example, mm -hmm. if you looked at the political international relations history of the US and Europe, for example, after World War II, and a country that was completely devastated by conflict and violence, and the tools that we used there, which were economic policy oriented, mm -hmm. um, business and investment oriented, versus the tools that we were using in countries across this hub sub-Saharan sub Africa, which really came from this charity mindset. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I didn't understand that difference. It didn't make sense to me. So that uh, is a long way of saying that, you know, as I progressed through different jobs at different nonprofits or think tanks, focusing on these issues, I started to really look for places that could cross over. Um, mm -hmm. And I ended yep. up at a consulting firm that specialized in working with uh, nonprofits and foundations to design their impact programs, often very traditionally about grants, um, but because it was bringing a consulting lens, sort of a McKinsey for impact, right. if you will, it brought this business lens too. And, and the question of, you know, fundraising isn't fundraising, it's your business model. <laughs> your business model, right? That's your revenue. So I know, and, and thinking about it in that frame um, really sort of opened up the world for me of saying, okay, it is generating impact, not profit, but it's a business. And so what mm -hmm. can we learn and what can we piece together? Uh, Lori Michaels, the founder of Open Road uh, was actually an, a client um, of mine <laughs> years, long story short, 
she was ready to, to launch. I was looking for something new and, and she offered me the inaugural position of, of ED, which ha has since grown into CEO. So I've been with Open Road for almost 10 years now. Wow. Um, and it's been just a really exciting journey also in Open Road then to see our own, uh, our own journey and uh, as we follow this <laughs> confluence of impact and business as well. So let's get into what those, you know, first, that first decade looks like. And, you know, I'm sure it, Open Road looks, maybe it doesn't look much different, but usually a decade things change, you know, and just like we, we said, we were talking a little bit about before, like the sector sort of has grown over the last decade, especially over the last five years, and obviously even more the last two years. Uh, so first, let's talk about what Open Road does and is and what its mission is, but then maybe what it's looked like, or how has it grown the last sort of decade or so? Absolutely. Um, so Open Road, uh, the mission has really stayed the same, which I'm, I'm quite proud of, because I think mission drift is always a challenge. Simply put, Open Road exists to help organizations that are, are pursuing impact stay on track. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that's the simplest way of putting it. And that, that strategy and mission was really born out of a sort of layman's observation uh, and recognition that the impact sector writ large, and certainly ten, as 10 years ago, the traditional impact sector, mm -hmm. grants and foundations, was set up in this bizarre way that does not account for uncertainty. Uh, there's sort of been always this unspoken assumption between grantees and mm -hmm. grantors that that down to the penny budget I wrote nine months ago in the application is somehow going to actually reflect reality 12 months <laughs> later when I'm implementing it and the world has changed and now we're in a global pandemic or there's been an election and uh, mm -hmm. it's just always lived in this alternate world um, that doesn't reflect rea reality. Sure. Of of uncertainty. And what that means is when things do go wrong, nonprofits have no one to turn to, and mm -hmm. uh, impact is lost. And frankly, money is lost, right? The, mm -hmm. the $500,000 grant from Gates or the million dollar mm -hmm. from USAID, best case gets less return per dollar, right. worst right. case investment tanks, like zero ROI. Mm -hmm. uh, and what we found is we could come in with relatively small amounts of money so that the implementing organization could actually implement the solution, which they already knew about. They already always know what the solution are, is. This right. is an area of expertise. Just they don't have $50,000 to do it. Sure, so, right. So that's where we started. Um, and that that remains our, our specialty is financing the unexpected to preserve impact and growth trajectory. What that has evolved into since our first charitable grant in 2012 is actually a full-fledged impact investing portfolio as during the past 10 years we have learned that right, nonprofits and for-profit impact first companies are businesses. And the reality is when you talk about something going wrong, it's a balance sheet issue. And like any other finance challenge in the world, finance is finance. And you should, you need the full suite of financial tools to fit the appropriate issue at hand. Um, and for us, what that really has, has come to the fore is recognizing that in so many of these cases where, quote, something has gone wrong, it's not actually a budget deficit. 
that's created, but simply a cash flow crunch, mm-hmm. a timing mm-hmm. issue. Right. And that financial problem is much more efficiently and effectively, and frankly, more catalytically from an impact perspective as an investor, solved with a loan than a grant. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually have moved to mostly providing loans now mm-hmm. to both nonprofits and social enterprises. And really, uh, in the past five years, we have really, I think, put a put a stake in the ground um, as the you know, the experts and in still many ways, sole provider of bridge financing, short-term bridge financing for the impact sector. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Can you give me an example maybe of like, whether it's real world or you don't have to use names, but like something that would come across your desk, right? That That is sort of a, a good example of what Open Road is like perfect at, right? Like what would they do the best? Absolutely. Um, so I'll give you an example <laughs> of, um, a company which I, I, I can name, their, their case study is on our website, um, nice. Power. Um, they're a solar, solar company um, that works in India and East Africa. Nice. Um, How do you spell it? How do you spell it? Uh, Husk, okay. H-U-S-K. And they bring clean, renewable electricity to residential uh, communities that had no access to electricity. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. So very clear impact on from a social perspective and an environmental perspective. Uh, and they were in the middle of raising, I admit, I, I can't recall off the top of my head if it was their series A or series B, um, but they were raising $20 million to expand in East Africa. Mm-hmm. And this was going to be a huge expansion. And actually at the time, it was the largest equity closing for a, a solar company in East Africa. And they had all their investors lined up, they had the term sheet signed, <laughs> and then the local government passed a new antitrust law, which hmm. was not going to threaten the deal, but required them to file 30 more pages of paperwork, which was then going to delay close by another three to six months, depending mm-hmm. on how inefficient the uh, bureaucrats wanted to be. Sure. And as any person running a business of any legal status knows, that's really hard to wait for. And they were faced like anyone would be with the choice of you're going to have to lay off staff. They're going to have to stop expansion. They're going to have to not be able to purchase inventory to meet contract orders. All of the things that from a both business and impact perspective, Mm -hmm. you don't Mm -hmm. want to see a company like this have to do. Right. So we came in with a $500,000 loan that was less than 12 months in terms of re- repayment schedule so that they didn't have to do that. They could keep impact on track. They could essentially keep the hockey stick curve that they were on mm-hmm. without having a drop or a blip. Um, and from our perspective, this is amazing because we just kept $20 million of impact mm-hmm. on track for a $500,000 investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great example. Here's a bit of a odd question, I guess. You've been on both sides, the philanthropy side and and sort of now looking maybe at the business side of things. I, I always wonder if you ever come across like a nonprofit that perhaps should be a business, right? Like should be a for-profit. Has that ever happened where you kind of look at, you know, and, and perhaps like what they were doing for the first 10 years of the nonprofit, but now things change. It's like, Wow, they kind of have all the building blocks set in place to actually maybe turn what they into sort of a, a for-profit venture 
and kind of have even more impact, right? Because nonprofits are kind of hard to scale, but businesses are good at scale and therefore can be good at impact. So I was wondering if that ever ever crossed your desk or, or crossed your mind when, when you've seen all the nonprofits in your career and, then all, and all the business ideas. Yes, uh, certainly we, we see that. Um, I, I would honestly say that I've seen it in the other direction too. Um, a folks yeah. <laughs> I should have mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, you really totally. different business model. And, and that's really how I try to think about things now is I, I try not to think about it as this dichotomy of for-profit and non-profit, but saying, what's your business model, mm-hmm. right? There is a range of, of revenues. I mean, you've got very for-profit companies that are going to get, you know, equity that got charitable grants. I mean, I think that, you know, one mm-hmm. of the biggest mm-hmm. examples is Beyond Meat, right? Beyond Meat, when they got their IPO, hugely profitable, one of their initial investors was a PRI from a family foundation. So this convergence is real. And I think the more that entrepreneurs, regardless of the tax status that they pick, are really looking across and saying, what is the business model here? What makes sense in my sources of revenue? Um, And, you know, I think certainly there are some things that do lend themselves because they should be profitable. Like, electricity generation. Mm-hmm. Yep. There are also some things that will never be profitable. Early childhood education for low-income families in rural America mm-hmm. will never be profitable. Mm. So that will always be a, a philanthropic um, endeavor. And then probably a lot of it falls somewhere in the middle. What's yeah. your split of revenues? Is it 90-10? Is it 10-90? Is it 50-50? You know, that's where the each individual case takes place. But um, so I think it's, you know, it's less about nonprofits that say, gosh, I should actually, I shouldn't have been giving away this electricity for free. I should actually have been charging for it. Um, it's not not that, but it's more around that that middle spectrum of saying, huh, you know, we can't cover our whole budget, but there is an, a world where we could be generating 30% of our revenues from earned revenue instead of philanthropic support. What has over the last 10 years for Open Road, what has it been like interacting with investors and, and what is, has sort of their sentiment been like or has changed over the last decade? Because, I mean, I don't know. I feel like they would be super interested to like invest in, like you said, the solar company that can do this much impact, but also have financial returns. Like it seems like as an investor, if you were an investor for 25 years, these last like five years are probably more exciting and interesting because of what's possible now. I agree. And, you know, we consider ourselves an, an investor um, and in fact, even used that language before mm. we were doing majority loans. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, last year in March 2020, we actually launched our first um, external fund, the Open Road Impact Fund, which allowed other investors yep. to invest alongside us. Um, because as you can imagine, you know, as we have done more and more of, of these deals where we are not only helping Husk out to go back to that example, but mm-hmm. frankly, we're picking up, we're helping out those equity investors. They don't yep. want to see the value of the company go down between them signing the term sheet and closing. That's not in their interest either. Yep. So there, it's really just a, 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 it's beneficial for the market overall for this model to exist. Um, and in talking with our investors and, and our friends, they said, you know, 
we need more of this. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so we actually have been able to attract a number of investors as co-investors alongside with us to to scale, particularly this bridge loan model. Um, mm. And uh, if there's if there's anyone out there that's interested, you know, please feel free to to get in touch as we. Uh, welcome, folks. But back to your question on investor interest, there's definitely been a shift in the last five years. I mean, I've been seeing it. We've been seeing it coming in the last 10 mm -hmm. years around an mm -hmm. impact investing and the five, last five years has just exploded. And I think it's, you know, it, it's when the word impact is showing up in the CEO letter from BlackRock, you yep. know, there's been a sea change. When Engine One is able to displace board members on ExxonMobil in the name Crazy. of- Crazy, yeah. There's a sea change here, um, and I do. I, I I agree with everything that you know others have said. That it is. I think we've sort of realized, uh, and the last 15 years have helped along anyone who had any doubts. We are facing an existential crisis uh, as a species, if you want to mm -hmm. go there. Yeah. Um, but but certainly you know, maybe just as a, a country or as individuals and um, folks like, you know, you or I, generation, my kid generation, I mean, we're raised in a world to believe in a world that is fair and just and clean and safe. And as we've all become adults over the past 20 to 30 <laughs> years and realized, oh, wait, not only is it not necessarily these things, but we've been part of the systems creating those problems mm -hmm. proactively mm -hmm. or passively. Yep. Uh, I think it's a, just a very human thing. Um, and that's encouraging. If you want to take a more pessimistic approach, investors have also gotten savvy that people care about this. And if you're not yep. talking the talk at yep. the very least, uh, you're missing out on a market opportunity. So, you know, market as markets changes, these things always go hand in hand. Yep. Is there impact washing? Yes. Of course there is, there will always be that. But I am, I do believe that the general trend and the general shift is, is genuine, will, is long lasting. And yeah, I think it's super exciting. Who, who doesn't want to have a, a greater field of investment opportunities that, you know, are leaving this world better for our yeah. kids? Yeah. Pretty, pretty fun. Can you, 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 you touched on the fun for a second at, I'd love to to dive into it and see if you can divulge a couple of the portfolio companies that have been invested in. If 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 checks have been written yet within that fund, can you share some of the portfolio companies that are that are in there that are doing some cool stuff? Well, there's certainly another uh, another solar company. I'd say thirty uh, percent, a little over thirty percent of our portfolio in the impact fund is in uh, climate, uh, clean energy, renewable energy, climate mitigation, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, companies addressing climate mitigation. So Redavia is another solar company working in so, uh, sub-Saharan Africa. They actually um, do uh, utility scale solia, solar working out of containers, like a shipping container. And it basically turns into a solar farm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Mr. Green Africa is a very cool enterprise in Kenya, I believe. They're basically, they have uh, employed what is traditionally termed waste pickers. Um, mm -hmm. So very low income individuals who basically go through, have to you know, go through landfills, um, mm -hmm. but have actually are, are employing them, paying them to collect recyclable plastic which they are then actually turning into um, recycled plastic, which is being used for products in there to basically reduce new, new plastic production, uh, mm -hmm. a 
uh, throughout the country and across um, across Africa. Mr. Green is, is exciting. They actually just got certified as the first B Corporation. Uh, Interesting. In Kenya, I think. So again, that, you know, intentionality and, and thinking of all of these threads together. And, you know, they've got a huge contract with Unilever where now everything that Unilever is producing, you know, shampoos and stuff like that. Yep using this recycled plastic hmm. um, and the the model again that intentionality means that even their their employees that are sourcing this um, otherwise yep. landfill waste it are doing it in a fair wage and dignified fashion mm-hmm. uh, right? and and that's the the exciting things about these models with intentionality is they're looking for that impact throughout their value chain you know not just at the beginning or at the end I'll end on a little bit about the future. We talked a lot about the first 10 years, but perhaps let's end on the next 10 years and maybe what are some of the goals and successes you would, you would like to, to see achieved, you know, maybe for Open Road and, and some of the ventures that it invested in. And, and as we see this world shift even more, right, the next 10 years is going to be hyper growth for, for this industry. So what does it look like for the next 10 years compared to the first 10? Yeah, I mean, I certainly are, our plans for the next 10 years is to, to double down, uh, double mm. down scale. Uh, the market for bridge financing is only growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think, it, you know, we have done projections that it is, you know, could be up to a billion dollar market globally, um, particularly as again, just the percentage of businesses that are impact first grow and grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and because the type of funding that we're providing is basically part of the value chain, uh, the financing value chain of any business, the opportunity there is, is, is quite limitless. So, you know, we certainly, you know, are looking to, to be able to continue to expand, to continue to just make more loans. Um, but we also, you know, beyond, beyond that, uh, we really want to see this proliferate. You know, mm-hmm. we would like to see, we think in impact investing, you know, there's a huge rush, rush for equity and there's still not enough debt available. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as anybody in the tradition, traditional finance world will tell you is you can't actually grow businesses on equity alone. Mm-hmm. You do need working capital. You do need project finance. You do need long-term debt and these other instruments. Um, so I would just love to see that area grow in general um, across the board. Perhaps more philosophically, I, I also just sort of love to see the continued conversation, you know, around what is impact mm-hmm. and really not just what is impact from a grading exercise. Yeah. I think investors have had it the last 10 years of let me decide if that's impact or let me mm-hmm. define what the impact is, but really taking a lot of the lessons of the at last 18 months, frankly, from the social justice movements mm-hmm. and saying, hold on, let me, let me put my hubris my arrogance in check a little bit. And let me also put in check the fact that I might actually have created the problems I'm now trying to solve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sure. really, you know, not look for this unicorn win-win of you're going to get some Silicon Valley VC right. returns and solve world hunger. No, you're probably actually not going to get both of that. Yep. We really are committed to addressing inequity and inequality there's going to have to be some trade-offs and maybe us as the investors who have spent the last yep. 50 years making millions and billions of dollars, maybe it's actually our turn to take the hit. And that's not only a necessary thing, it's a good thing. It's yep. a fine thing. 
And it's a thing to be embraced because we will all be better off if we can get to some of these root, root issues of inequity. Well, thanks so much, Maya. This was, uh, this was a great conversation. Really interested to, to, to see what the next 10 years look like. I do think, you know, the first 10 years, you guys have just put in amazing work, right? And, and just learning. I'm sure you've learned a lot, right? The team's learned a lot in those 10 years. And that's really set, set y'all up for, for what's going to be, you know, a boom in the next 10 years, right? For, for this industry. And I think your point about looking at the investor saying, hey, Silicon Valley returns versus what are maybe the what what happens when that occurs, right? Maybe just because you have crazy returns does it might not mean that's good for society. <laughs> uh, and kind of having that balance between returns and impact on society, you know, hopefully is looked at differently. And that could change a lot of things. Just just that one thing can change a ton of stuff. So it's not that you can't make money or that making money. Of course, yeah, yeah for sure. Like but you know what? A hundred percent. Uh, versus 150 you percent know, right making a billion versus two billion dollars it's probably you'll probably be okay yeah because especially if you can allocate that other billion exactly because that, that's where it, it somebody's that money's going to go somewhere yep yep that's that's the most important part of all this is that right there so again thank you so much uh have thank a great you. have a great rest of the the week and and cheers to the next 10 years thank you so much have a have a great week